everyone, and welcome to Starship Podcast Warlock. My name is Drew. My name is Jeff. And this is the beginning of Season 3 of Starship Podcast Warlock. I never thought we'd get this far. Did you, Jeff? Uh, no, not at all. I, I thought we would have all died of coronavirus by this point. Yeah, or, you know, an asteroid crashing into the Earth and changing the climate completely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, each is just about as likely as the other. Can, can I just say that I am looking forward to uh, to doing season five, six, and seven of Blackadder? This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, We had to turn over the season number just to, you know, just to start over. But season five of Blackadder, I've heard really great things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, just kidding, everyone. Uh, if you're just joining us what? now, which I, suppose is, <laughs> which I suppose is possible, given that this is the beginning of a new season, maybe it is the first show that you're interested in. We are watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, the BBC production from the 80s. Um, there are six episodes. This will be a very short season for us and and also for that show. Um, and what we do is uh, we usually uh, talk about something first, um, and then we put on the episode, and uh, we encourage you to sync up with us uh, on whatever copy of the episode that you have. Uh, for example, right now, uh, it's available on Hulu. Um, it's also out on DVD. There's a Blu-ray version that uh, was just issued recently. Um and uh, remastered and everything. And actually, I really like the packaging for this, uh, Jeff. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's beautiful. For the uh, the Blu-ray, the one with the Babelfish on the uh, on the cover? Was that yeah, it, it yeah. looks really great. Like, I mean, I've seen a lot of bad hitchhikers art <laughs> over the years, and, and this is pretty solid to me. I, I've, uh, I picked that up in preparation for this because I prefer to use it for physical media because then it means it's one less thing that I'm streaming and using bandwidth on. But, of mm -hmm. course, I forgot that running on a Mac that um, that's uh, I can't really play it via Blu-ray, and, and um, I don't really have something to work on a headphones for, uh, for the TV at this point, sadly, uh, although I probably could have picked something up. So, uh, therefore, I'm going with the Hulu method for this one. But I, that's after I had already uh, bought the Blu-ray, but I'm happy to have the Blu-ray in my possession, absolutely. Um, Little uh, peek behind the curtain here, folks, into the mm -hmm. inner workings of the media machine that is Starship Podcast Warlock. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we will be watching it together, synced up. Um, we will be talking uh, during it. So if you've never seen it and you're like, I hate when people talk during shows, maybe watch it first and then come back and listen to that part. I don't know. Um, and then we'll talk about it afterwards and sort of evaluate it um, with a, a critical eye since we are both... Uh, the the foremost experts in <laughs> critically evaluating science fiction programs. I, I don't know about experts. I, I certainly say that we could probably do large swaths of the uh, of the script, or at least the original radio script, <laughs> uh, from memory. Well, I'm being well, sarcastic about our uh, our critical credentials, but it's fun to talk about these things, and we will. Um, there was another thing I was going to mention as well, which is not coming to me at the moment uh maybe it'll come back hang on folks everything is under control while you're doing that i will just hum journey of the sorcerer in the background <laughs> so what we're going to talk about before we uh get into the episode right now is uh just kind of how we got into hitchhikers how we discovered it um and and various other things along those lines jeff what was your first kind of uh encounter with hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy in, in whatever form 
Uh, my encounters, and, and this is interesting because in general, when I think of British comedy and things, as I mentioned for like Blackadder and Young Ones, that was my exposure in college. Um, you know, I knew Monty Python existed, but I hadn't really watched it, or, or mm -hmm. it, which is really funny for me to think uh, for that. Uh, so Hitchhikers was really the first example of British comedy that I can actually think of being exposed to, except for the fact that I was exposed to it through the book first in uh, in summer camp that mm -hmm. uh, some some folks had that, um, and uh, and I had borrowed it, and I think even before I borrowed it, like they were quoting bits and pieces of it, and so I would quote it back, and uh, and. I would actually get it, we would kind of get it wrong like a game of telephone in some respects, but like it was one of those bits where you were at a certain age where you're convinced that something you've discovered is the funniest thing in the entire history of the universe, and and for hitchhikers, they're not entirely wrong, so, uh, but um, that that supplanted, to give you an idea, that supplanted who's on first as my um, oh, wow. as my go-to for quoting things and annoying people at all hours of the night. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it, so I was exposed uh, first through the books, and so summer camp, we're talking uh mid 80s at this point figure 1985 at this mm -hmm. point which yes that's mid 80s good um and uh and then uh summer program i went to when i was in high school where somebody had uh off-air copies of of the uh bbc radio series which is of course the original incarnation of uh of uh, Hitchhikers, and then I, I have a copy of a copy of that, and had listened to that. Just the first six episodes. I, I uh, it was only a few years later that I heard the uh, the remaining six at the time, of of which there were until obviously many years later. But uh, but yeah, I, I knew it through the books first, and which is funny because you know one of those bits where you listen to it and you're like, oh, it's British. I'm not even sure to what extent I realized it was British, even though <laughs> you know even though Arthur's an Englishman. But you know you hear things. I mean, I think I pretty much heard everything with an American accent in my head. You know, Zaphod sure. is not Zaphod. He's Zaphod. Um, <laughs> Zaphod. Well, the same way, you know, uh, when people were saying Thanos for, for Avengers, and I'm like, I hear Thanos now. Because uh, I, I I think that feels more British, and that just fits Thanos. along with, yeah, uh, famous Thanos. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, chocolate chip cookies. So, yeah, so it's, it's funny. I mean, uh, there's that. And then, of course, there's the... Uh, the Infocom text adventure game, which I played oh, yes. um, my uh, a couple summers um, during high school, I worked for a little while at the um, Mystic Connecticut Mystic Seaport Planetarium, and they had an IBM PC there, and and they had uh, Hitchhikers on there, and I blew I don't know how many hours on the on just getting the stupid Babelfish into my ear, and and oh um, my god, yes. yeah, I hadn't finished that at the time. I, I played it much much later, but uh, that that was you know early adventure gaming for me, and and uh, I was obsessed, utterly obsessed with that. So oh, I, no I didn't doubt. see yeah. the I didn't see the TV series for many years later. Yeah, that's not that different from the order that I saw these things in. Uh, I think, so I'm pretty sure that I read the books first, just like you. And I'm pretty sure that when I did that, I was in junior high because I have this very vivid memory, which I've actually mentioned uh, in a, a previous episode of this podcast, um, that I was sitting in class and I, it must have been one of those situations where we were supposed to read something in class and I was done or we were taking a test and I had turned it in early and everyone else was still doing it because I, I took out the book and started reading it, uh, the first book. And I, I vividly remember getting to uh, the, the title of one of the Vogon poems, which is Ode to a Small Lump of Green Putty I Found in My Armpit One Midsummer Morning. And 
I could not read that without <laughs> uncontrollably laughing. And so everyone would, you know, turned around to look at me and to figure out what's wrong with me, but I could not stop. It was the funniest thing my middle school brain had ever encountered that, that yeah, poem title. That, so that feels about right. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure I, that must've been the first time I read it. So I conclude that I was reading Hitchhikers for the first time yeah. at that time. And uh, of course I then devoured restaurant at the end of the universe. Um, and I probably had read life, the universe and everything, maybe even so long. And thanks for all the fish. By the time I heard the radio series, I'm, I can't remember how many of those I got through. Certainly the first two. Um, and with the radio series, uh, this was one of those deals where it was on the public radio station. Uh, and I, I was either, I can't remember if I was at my grandmother's house or my house. It doesn't really matter. But uh, at one point, I, I vividly remember having, uh, we had this little TV in our kitchen. God, this is going to sound so ancient, but because <laughs> you can take an iPad in there now. But like at the time, what we had was this little TV that fit under your counter and it was black and white. And it was probably about, I don't know, four or five inches at the most uh, of a TV. Um, and it had a radio in it. And so I, I went downstairs because my parents were upstairs watching TV or something like that. And I put it on the, uh, the radio and I was holding up a tape recorder to it to record the <laughs> record the radio series off of the radio that way i i've done other things like that yeah that's yeah. familiar or, or actually you know this does feel like a very of, jeff thing to do yeah yeah well that's you know i mentioned the friend of a friend in 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 uh so in the one place where i recorded the radio series yeah we had i didn't even have a tape deck with two uh with two um uh, cassette. cassettes. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I actually had to put one next to the other for that. Anyway, um, yeah, sorry, uh, you were saying. Kids, I, I know you have no idea what what these strange technologies are that we're talking about. Um, it would take longer than we have on this podcast probably to explain all those uh, horrible antique things to you. Uh, life is much better now. Get off my um, lawn. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I think I only I, I taped maybe maybe like two or four episodes of the second series. The ones I remember listening to the most, hearing them over and over again, were episodes seven and eight, which um, I, I don't think any of that stuff happens in the TV series, but I'll just say that, you know, these are the ones where Zaphod is in the, uh, uh, the publishing offices. Is mm -hmm. that what it is? Yeah, he's in the Hitchhiker's uh, Publishing the Office. The Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Offices, yeah, that's right. And he's looking for Zarni Whoop. Um, and it's yep. it, and then the Total Perspective Vortex thing. So those two episodes were the ones that I heard over and over again. And they're just uh, burned on, into my memory, except apparently which building he was in. But everything else burned into my memory. So, yeah, so that was it for a while. Um, and then I can't remember when I saw the series. I want to say I might have... Uh, had to buy the DVD to see it. And so this would have been much, 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 much later. Um, and yeah, I'm then, pretty sure we didn't watch it during yeah. college, despite all the all the British stuff that we did watch. I don't think we ever watched Hitchhikers during that time. Yeah, which says to me that I, I just didn't have it until afterwards. Um, and even so, it's probably been, uh, I would say, at least 15 years since I've seen it, possibly more. So it's I'm fascinated to go back to this and, and watch yeah. it now. Um, but given all those different formats, and yes, I played the text adventure game too, given all those different formats, uh, this, this feels so familiar to me, this whole thing. 
um, and has formed a, a large part of the way that my sense of humor developed. Um, I, it sounds like you did this as well, but I, when I was writing science fiction as a teenager, it, it all had a hitchhikery feel to it. Like it was jokey in pretty much the same kinds of ways. And my whole aspiration was to write something with that feel to it. I think um, yeah, that was definitely the case for me. It wasn't the only influence, but it was one of the major ones, certainly. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, even going on to college to the, the Campus Humor magazine where I was writing for and became fiction editor for. And um, and my first year there, I actually wrote, because at the time there were only four Hitchhiker books, I wrote a, uh, a serialized uh, fifth Hitchhiker book. Um, and then um, then Mostly Harmless came out like a, a year later or something like that. But uh um, so yeah, not only did it inspire my type of writing, but it inspired my exact writing. Um, oh, well, wow. so, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I ever wrote any kind of like hitchhikers fanfic or anything like yeah. that. We, uh, um, I, I, I mean, I do have a recording of the two of us, um, reading, uh, Vogon poetry for, uh, uh for <laughs> a house meeting message that we left for people over the phone. I really like our interpretation of that poem. I think we did oh, an yeah. excellent job. Yeah, that was brilliant. Maybe we'll play it for you at some point. <laughs> if, you, um, if you're really lucky, you might have to listen to our poetry first. Yes. Um, I was just going to say, the thing that fascinates me about the certainly the prose version of Hitchhikers, which I had no idea at the time, it was an adaptation of a radio series. Um, you know, I just thought that Douglas Adams had sat down and wrote this this comic science fiction novel um, I've, I've tried to read things since that felt the same way, you know, kind of jokey genre-y stuff. And it just never quite clicks for me. I never, I never get to the point where I can care enough about it, which I think is weird. Uh, mm. like I, I know a lot of people love Terry Pratchett, but like for me trying to read him is like trying to read the fantasy hitchhikers and it, it just doesn't, it never quite works for me. And even worse, I've, I've tried to read books by Christopher Moore. I don't know if you've ever read any of his oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've read uh, Fool and Lamb and uh, a couple other ones. Um, I was just going to say, I tried to I tried to read those, and uh, I just can't. Like, I read it, and I'm like, why do I, why am I reading about these people? This is not... This is not something we didn't care about, so I just That's can't funny. get through them. I mean, yeah, Christopher Moore, uh, for some reason, um, yeah, I, I I felt like that it was very clever, but it never stuck with me the way the others do. Pratchett did stick with me for mm -hmm. a, uh, for a while. I mean, some of the characters stick with me. Uh, I adore Death. I mean, he's probably my favorite character. Yeah, he's uh, pretty great. In there, um, you know... Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I devoured certainly a lot of the early uh, books, and I'll, I'll go back to Morton and... Uh, and uh, Reaper Man uh, every once in a while um, for yeah for Reaper Man and Mort I think were probably my favorite Pratchett ones that I read yeah well there you go there's death for for yeah. you at that but um uh, but yeah I uh, and and certainly um, certainly Good Omens is worth uh, mm -hmm. is worth a huge note itself and we could we could talk about Good Omens and and the TV version and stuff like that uh, at some other point but um uh, but yeah no um, Pr Pratchett Pratchett wasn't as high in my mind as Douglas Adams, but he's still pretty high up there. And, and some of this, it's interesting because Douglas Adams wrote in a very, uh, I mean, again, because of the, the um, fact that this was an adaptation of a, um, uh, of a radio series that you can see it's little bits where, you know, it's very, di it's very dialogue-y. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting when the radio series adapted the later portions of uh, the later books, which were written book first, uh, that it it reads much more prose as a result. There's much more narration um, yes. because, because of that, uh, which is interesting for the third book, considering the third book actually started as a rejected Doctor Who script, but I, I digress. <laughs> um, but uh, although I think it was more of a treatment than a full... Um, than a full script. But uh, so I, I think that's one reason why Hitchhikers as a read is so breezy as opposed to uh, Pratchett. And the interesting thing with Pratchett is his stuff is very uh, is very dense and conceptually, and I, I love a lot of that that stuff, but it, it doesn't necessarily read necessarily as quickly, even though, mm-hmm. like, I mean, for one thing, his asides, uh, a couple of the asides in Mort that I can quote to me is is as good as any book segment that, that Douglas Adams would have... Uh, would have picked up, but it, but it's interesting. They have different uh, focuses, too. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, um, it, it always feels like Douglas Adams, w- in terms of talking about the absurdity of life and bureaucracy, and uh, and uh, not to be confused with the uh, text adventure game that he wrote, um, although right up his alley, and and you know, existential uh, debates about God and and things along those lines, and um, and. Pratchett was more on, uh, in many ways, a lot of the stuff he focused on was, you know, moving pictures as a, as a parody of stuff. Uh, the um, Later on, he gets around to the printing press and things like that. Um, that that his, his was sort of uh, through a mirror, uh, a fantasy mirror to our, our current reality in its own way mm-hmm. uh, they, they were they were they were interested in different things and and in a way maybe that's why I gravitate to some of the early Discworld books because those also read as I met um, the, the first two books were him trying to figure it out but but uh, a bunch of the earlier ones after that and I, I like I said I cite more more it's a very quick read it's a it's a fairly short book and the one that feels the most um, Douglas Adamsy ish yeah to me. Um, At the risk of becoming a Pratchett podcast, we oh, yeah, <laughs> probably should loop back to Hitchhikers. But oh, yeah, yeah, I do think it's fascinating to to sort of compare the two, and uh, I I just uh, I just think it's interesting that you know maybe it was also just the time that I read it that uh, Adams was able to capture me, and even so, um, and maybe this is a topic for a later episode here, but um, definitely my my affinity is for the first two books it definitely starts to fall off after that and although there are sequences in life the universe and everything that i really like um as a whole it does feel so plotty because of that you know uh, doctor who treatment origin and everything and then as we get into so long and thanks for all the fish and uh uh mostly harmless it starts to really feel depressing (laughs) so There's so much, I mean, there's so much magic in those first two oh, yeah. uh, and, and you can understand the reasons why it headed in the direction that it did, but, uh, but definitely it's hard to recapture, um, how much fun the first, the first two books were for me. I mean, the, the third one, uh, it's funny if you had asked me earlier, you know, before I knew about the history of them, uh, I'm not sure I would have connected the, th- I probably would have broken them into three and two as opposed to two and, and, and three, even mm-hmm. though I, I probably would say more two and three nowadays, but it, but it's interesting because three also i think reads a bit breezy and it has some of my favorite bits uh anything with marvin and the mattress which i have to say when they finally did a <laughs> radio version of that the 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 way that was acted fits uh, and the voice of the mattress fits anything that was done in the early days um the the uh the the thing with so long and thanks for all the fishes that was actually a you know a uh a kind of beautiful little little love story that feels like it's completely out of left field for hitchhikers. It's like, that was his mm-hmm. hopeful phase and, and people hated it. And, you know, there were some 
there there were definitely some uh, great bits in there. I mean, if you wanted the funny bits, the the bit with um, Ford trying to pay for um, uh, trying to pay for a rather large uh, bar tab that he ran up using an American Express card, which isn't accepted anywhere in the known galaxy. That 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 whole segment I uh, I enjoy for that sort of thing. But other than that, it's funny. I didn't care for so long when I was a kid and read it now, but I actually think it plays well as an adult the same way in its own way that the last Blackadder episode I thought was, you know, okay, mm-hmm. even though I appreciated it as a kid, but feels much more poignant as an adult. And and mostly harmless, yeah, by that point, he kind of wanted it to be uh, over with in his own way. And he was, I mean, it, it was very dark and he acknowledged that. And I, and I think he said if he was able to do a sixth book, he would he would pull back from the abyss. And if you wonder how he could pull back from the abyss for that sort of thing, um, it's interesting to see what the radio series eventually did to kind of give it a little bit more of a, of a happy ending. And, and, oh, interesting. Um, and, and I shan't count the sixth book that was written by somebody not named Douglas Adams. Cause no, uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. And a movie doesn't exist. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame they never made a hitchhiker's movie. You know, we'll never see one, even though I might allude to it in the commentary that we're about to make, because I, I do have I yeah. do have some thoughts on that. But like there, uh, there are little snippets yeah. of there are little snippets of a movie that might have existed that I actually thought were quite brilliant. But yeah, yeah and, and at least one of the casting choices I thought was uh, was probably about right. But we'll we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, we've certainly delayed uh, getting started with this enough. My anticipation is at a fever pitch and it's time to watch some Hitchhikers, I think. Um, So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a little pause here um, to create a break in the podcast so that like if you're thinking, oh, maybe I'll come back and listen to this part later, you can easily skip to it. Uh, And then we'll go into the episode. So we'll see you on the other side of this little musical bit. Hello, everyone. It is time now to watch Season 1, Episode 1 of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, Jeff and I are queued up, so we're going to press play uh, on my mark. So you get yourselves queued up. I'll say 3, 2, 1, play. We'll all hit play when I say play, and we'll enjoy this episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ready? Yo. 3, 2, 1, play. Young ones present time. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to remember if we knew this early that that was going to happen in the in the books, or even the series. So. Actually, we did. Be- we do because the line about to be destroyed to make way for hyperspace bypass. I'm pretty oh, sure it yes. comes in. I love his voice so much. I love the fact that when they originally created this, they said, we want a sort of Peter Jonesy voice for this. <laughs> and then they went and got Peter Jones. Yes. Yeah. I mean, William Franklin in the, in the sequel series is no Peter Jones, but I thought they did a great job of figuring out how to, uh, how to, 
um, use his voice as the voice of the book, um, make an excuse for it without ignoring it. Oh my God, I can't believe Yates is the voice of the book. That's funny. I didn't connect that until now. That's really funny. <laughs> we just ran into the sun. And using some CSO, I guess. They're not super friendly letters. Animation. Ooh. He looks so much like Douglas Adams there with the hair. I know. And the important thing he is, is he has a digital watch. Yes. I love this I, theme I, so much, too. Yeah, I I could do without the '80s synth. I, I prefer the yeah. '70s banjo unadorned, but agreed. But yes, I, I do I do love this theme and the fact Does that they hitchhikers pulled, have an apostrophe they pulled from the. What's that? I, I hitchhikers doesn't have an apostrophe, and that always is a dilemma. Mm. Should have one. It's always interesting to me to figure out which one of these reprised their uh, roles from the radio series. Yeah. Prosser sounds like the same voice. Of course, as a kid, I didn't know torch meant flashlight. <laughs> it's a much more dramatic picture. I actually put Beware the Leopard up on my uh, the door to my um, my room as a kid. <laughs> it didn't work. That's a great phrase. Oh. This is nicely paced. I like how they're breaking this up. And is not played by Jeffrey McGiven in this version. Yes. I want to talk about Ford's prefect after this is done. <laughs> 
It's like machine learning. Man, the future is yellow shifted. <laughs> Patty Kingsland is my favorite composer for Doctor Who as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the Secret Adventure Club actually believes. As I recall, in the original version of the radio series, it's Arthur that makes this argument, but mm. I think it makes sense to shift this to Ford because um, Ar otherwise Arthur seems too clever and uh, unfazed if you give it to him, I suppose. Yeah. No, there's little bits there where David Dixon reminds me of Tim Curry. Well, maybe he's very doctorish to me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Am I crazy that I'd like to see Bowie in that role? <laughs> okay. Hmm. Interesting. That's the other thing by making it uh, Ford, because at this point, Ford and Prosser, like, neither of them care if the house gets knocked down at this point. Whereas yep. giving it to Arthur, he actually thinks he puts one over on him. Dixon's Ford also feels very flirtatious to me. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's something about the way he delivers it, which actually is really appropriate for Ford. Oh yeah. I love the fact that it's basically the Coke logo. (laughs) (laughs) So this is left over from um, the future segment of... uh, Blackadder's Christmas Carol. (laughs) One thing I never really noticed before is how effective it is to have this dialogue interposed with these graphics and you're doing two jokes at the same time. Mm -hmm. And our our little shot of uh, Zaphod before we even meet him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's the sort of thing that they do in dramatic effect in Watchmen, right, where you have the, the commentary mm-hmm. versus what's going on screen and the interplay of it. It's also interesting that, like, you know, they're not quite as emphatic as they were in the uh, in the radio series, and I suspect that's just the difference in the medium. Yeah. Tim Curry, Richard E. Grant. I don't know. I never uh, felt like I liked him that much as Ford before, but I actually really do now. I love that line. <laughs> I think we don't get that in the original radio series. That came from the uh, from the book. Ah, uh, yes. Which is interesting how they tried to depict it in the movie to at least give, um, they made them brick-like as a, uh, Mm -hmm. as an homage to that, homage to that.
It also sounds like the same voice from the uh, the radio series. Oh, I love it. You know, I just realized there's the whole aside in the book about um, Prosser being descended from Genghis Khan. Mm -hmm. His whole reference to half-crazed Visigoths and barbarians and stuff like that is kind of a veiled reference to that. Mm -hmm. It's special effects. <laughs> That looks vaguely... Oh, never mind. <laughs> a tissue compression eliminator? I, I was looking for something a little more lascivious, but okay. <laughs> that is lascivious. It's a shake weight. <laughs> the vortex manipulator. Stan Lee? <laughs> Okay, who's making that noise? <laughs> I was right. I was right. <laughs> Please attend carefully. I love the delivery in the radio series, and regrettably. <laughs> Clamoring. Of course, the nice little parallel of uh, Prosser and, and Jeltz in this. Yeah. It's cold outside. There's no <laughs> kind of atmosphere. I always found it very satisfying that his adventures start with the earth being destroyed. He has nowhere to go but forward. Mm -hmm. 
So recall what? one of the original ideas for this was that they were going to have every episode be about a different end of the earth. Mm-hmm. But I guess the original concept was compelling enough that they went, he just went on from there. Yeah, I feel like that would have gotten monotonous. It just would have been Black Mirror. <laughs> I suppose so. Say first night of Hanukkah. <laughs> I didn't get that joke until years later. variants of that phrase all the time. <laughs> Basingstoke. <laughs> For Gilbert and Sullivan people, that's really funny. Understandable reaction. <laughs> you woke up the sleeping quarters? <laughs> I love the background music. I love the animation. Just <laughs> just brilliant synthesis here. Mhm. Mm <laughs> no, we ran a, co a corporation. 
So the best way to uh, get a drink out of Vogan and stick your finger down his throat was one of those lines that we just repeated endlessly in summer camp <laughs> because throwing up is funny. You know, I love the little background, little drip sound. <laughs> I mean, they had that they had that in the radio series, but uh, whereas this, I don't know where the hell it came from. <laughs> yeah, the direction's not as crisp now. Statue of Liberty in the left. <laughs> it looks like it. I don't know why, but maybe they're going to reenact Planet of the Apes. Sorry, oh, spoilers. I'm a time lord from the planet Gallifrey. I would write the hell out of that fanfic. <laughs> I mean, Vagabond traveling in the galaxy feels about right. Pretty much. Dirk Gently is basically Doctor Who as well. Douglas Adams never stopped being a script editor. Mm-hmm. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> I was waiting for... I think your head's come undone. I was waiting for that as well. This is one of these bits that you figure must work well on radio, but to actually f have to do this on TV. Right. 
Be nice if the camera didn't get seasick. Right. <laughs> that was another line we thought was endlessly funny. <laughs> was another line I didn't get as a kid. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I know how to wait. <laughs> Jeez. Slump glug. Snuggle flitch. <laughs> just destroyed part of the ceiling <laughs> didn't know what a dingo was at the time either so I thought that was made up and hence funny oh, that's such a brilliant sequence Probably one of my favorite set of animations. Like, just so many brilliant jokes throughout that whole thing. Mm hmm. Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> 
That ain't my real name. It's X. A weirdly tense scene well it's funny jeffrey mcgivern was very cavalier the entire time and and his delivery mm -hmm. of this <laughs> it's such a, that's a weird ending too that is i mean strange considering place to cut it you know, they, they put in that weird bit with the food and whatever. Like, I mean, you could have gotten it to the point where they had it in the um, in the radio series. Mm -hmm. You know, tell me how good thought my poem was. I, I, I don't know. It's an odd place to cut. I agree. <laughs> all right well that was the first episode of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy as before we'll have a brief musical interlude come back and talk about it All right, uh, let's talk about episode one of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, I have to say, I'll start this one off. I I loved it up until the point where they got on the ship, and then something happened. Uh, like it, it, just the direction of it, and the the life of it, and the pace of it, and everything seems so great up until that point, and then they got on the ship, and there's just all this weird emptiness to it and suddenly you know david dixon has a weird he, he doesn't have the same poise that he had on earth it's really really strange how that happens but yeah as soon as they get up there it just kind of like uh slows way down it just comes to a, a crashing halt and it, it's really tougher than to keep it moving i think at that point i mean it's uh 
it's true that there has to be a lot more exposition at this point to explain, you know, uh, Ford to explain to Arthur exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, I, you know, maybe that's not such a big deal on radio where that's, um, where that's being narrated for, for them and for us, but maybe that doesn't necessarily work as well in a, uh, in a visual medium. But then again, there's the other stuff you talked about. Did you need the blue food? Um, yeah. the, uh, you know, you have to, you have to actually see the Dentrassi a little bit. Um, it's funny, the Vogon, um, uh, uh, prosthetic Vogon Schultz is interesting that, um, his voice is closer the way it is in the, the, uh, later, uh, the later parts of the radio series that were, you know, done after Douglas Adams' death, kind of so many years later, um, that, uh, the original voice was kind of more high pitched, um, and uh, and mm, yeah. more clipped, and I actually felt like it had more energy. You know, the uh, the 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 my the delivery of um, uh, you know uh, will be for se- here for seventy two hour refit until that time. All planet leave is canceled. I've just had an unhappy love affair, so I don't really see any- see why anybody else should have a good time. Message ends. You know, a- as opposed mm-hmm. to something that's a little more monotone, uh, which is an interesting contrast with the fact, as you said, for Ford that that Ford was actually more you know. Cavalier in the um, in the original and in this one, um, he's he's gotten much more emotional and, and defensive and uh, yeah, it, it is a bunch of um, a bunch of odd choices. Yeah, I feel like some of them might be direction choices as well. Like it it feels just like the director knows what to do with the scenes in the pub and the mm-hmm. the bulldozer, and then once once they get onto the ship and they have to like come up with some weird business to do to make that dialogue work, there it, it just feels pointless and sort of off pace stretched stretched out uh and like we said that you know if they didn't stretch it out i think they could have gotten to the original ending the way they had it in the first uh Mm -hmm. in the radio series um just needed some uh, tightening up i mean i don't know maybe when they did later episodes when they wrote later episodes they felt like it was better to move that over i I can only assume so i'm curious to see this more of a as a whole see how the second episode uh Mm -hmm. fits in with that um but uh yeah, it's. I mean, it's true that Douglas Adams didn't particularly care as much for the radio series. I think he didn't get along with the director uh, that well. Um, so hmm. I, I wonder if uh, if that had anything to do with it. I don't know. I mean, some of it was design choice. Like, I mean, the design choice for Marvin, he absolutely hated. But um, I, I don't know how much in terms of the direction. Sorry, do you mean that the TV series or the radio series? Uh, the, the TV series. Oh, okay. You said the, the radio series. Oh, sorry. Really I, meant, I meant the TV series. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, the design for Marvin's not so great, but we'll get to that. Yep. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I mentioned that I wanted to talk about Ford. So mm-hmm. you've already kind of mentioned some of the differences. You know, Jeffrey McGivern definitely is a slightly different presence than David Dixon, who, as I say, is like strangely flirtatious, <laughs> but also like, as you pointed out, weirdly emotional too. It's a very odd performance um you know complete with uh line flub which i thought was a little uh shocking that that stayed in there i thought well you know happened in 60s doctor who i was gonna say if he's trying to be the doctor then apparently he's (laughs) hardnell now so yeah uh but uh but i do like him uh and i think it's interesting how um how similar the the um the Arthurs and Zaphods are even to the point of, you know, it's the same actor between the radio series and here in both of those cases. Um, but the Fords are always very different, which I find kind of fascinating. It's true. Like, I mean, 
uh, if they had made a movie, they might have cast somebody like Mos Def, and you know he couldn't be more different. I think in in many ways than than David Dixon, although he is oddly soft spoken in that part as well. So you know, I don't know. It's, it's it's an odd it's an odd part to cast, but actually Ford is one of my favorite characters in the whole thing. So it's odd. I think about you know we've talked about Ford almost as a doctor. Like I can see. Um, you know, somebody that's just kind of a little bit off. Again, of all the doctors, picture Matt Smith in that role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's the one I think would most uh, fit in that. Okay, his, his the, I mean, not playing it overly zany, but more more the uh, uh, the, the slightly off um, bits. I, I'd be curious to see how that works. But it, it's interesting for me uh, about the Arthurs, though, I, as I mentioned before, that the delivery being different between the radio series and the, um, and the TV series, that Arthur is less frantic in this overall I think uh, okay there was that little yelling scene on the um, on the ship but he seems more low key compared to he seemed very high strung for uh, for most of the uh, um, most of at least the first few episodes of the uh, radio series mm. yeah that's interesting I mean I think again you know the direction of this is um, even the parts that I like it's very leisurely um so, uh, you know, it could be that's part of what's going on. It could be that he's played it before. It could be that it's different to be doing it on screen uh, as as opposed to just, you know, kind of reading the lines crisply in the radio series. Uh, yeah, but it's interesting. I think you're I think you're right that it's slightly more low key, although you can see more emotion on his face, which I think is uh, yeah. nice. And as I was saying during the thing, I think. One of the things that I love most about the TV series, and which I never really thought about in depth until now, is, you know, that that sort of double track of jokes. Like, I'm sure I did not read half of the things in those animations, um, and I could go back and watch it again just to read everything that's on there you know, and pause Agreed. through it. I mean, I, and I love the fact that you have that option on TV where you, you I mean, I guess you do in the, the, the movies if they were to make a movie of this, but... Um, but yeah, definitely in TV, you can do it where you can't really do it in the book or the radio series. You could maybe yeah. do it in the comic version, which I almost forgot about because there is a comic version. <laughs> Have there you is. seen this? I, I forget if you've seen it or not. I saw it. I think you had a, a couple issues, I think, in college. Mm-hmm. I, I remember not being overly impressed with it. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think it maybe could work, uh, but I, I don't think that particular incarnation of it worked very well. I, I, uh, I'd be curious to take a look. You know, there was also an LP. You know, there, there was actually a record that was slightly that was different from the radio series. It was a re-recording because, for one thing, I think it had uh, the dish of the day scene, which was not in the original radio series, and it had mm-hmm. uh, hot black, uh, the the whole um, rock band thing, which which wasn't in the uh, in the original. I think it was actually cooked up for the LP first. Uh, so, just talking about all the alternate hitchhikers. But anyways, back to your original question yeah i saw it um i'd be curious to you know maybe somebody would think about doing another uh another version but for some reason uh, i'm not too keen overall on a lot of comic adaptions of uh Mm -hmm. of um a lot of books Uh, of movies yes oddly enough but not of books um uh yeah i would i would agree with that I, i i have seen very few comic adaptations of things that i really like um the uh weirdly the Anne Rice ones I think are, are pretty interesting. But uh Yeah, well it's that's funny. A, that's a different animal. Yeah. Um so 
yeah so that's a really interesting thing about the the tv series and it'll be fun to kind of see some of the things that they do later on like the whole business where the the couple drinks the pangalactic gargle blaster and, and just passes out instantly mm-hmm. um <laughs> that's fun and i love seeing the ravenous bug bladder beast of trawl which is the sort of thing where i think a lot of people would say oh it's more fun to imagine it but it, that's an adorable drawing and i'm really <laughs> i feel i feel that we would be the poorer without having seen it uh, well, it's it's quick. It's not actually yeah. like you know. It, it, I, I'm I think that works in that regard. Um, I uh, yeah. The the animation and I and you pointed out Petty Kingsland. The fact that the the music, uh, the the incidental music, and the sound effects, as I mentioned, the sounds on the ship of the hums and the little sound of like little dripping, the uh, water or whatever that little uh, sound is that is straight mm-hmm. out of the. Uh, radio series and I always felt like that set such a great tone and of course in the radio series you, you don't have any visuals so you set that anyway uh, but I, I think it it still um, was wonderful for giving a, a sense of place and and um, uh, and yeah full not, not to say well this was like the radio series so clearly it's it's <laughs> good but um, but uh, no I, I very much appreciated that that is actually something that I think I didn't ask before, which is, uh, what is your favorite incarnation of this? I think it's, it's sort of weird. Like, I wonder how many, uh, things like this have had so many different incarnations. It's hard to think maybe Sherlock Holmes. Um, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, know, uh, I, hmm. Shakespeare, <laughs> I don't know. Like Shakespeare, I'm trying to well, think how many of this, where this exact story has been done in so many different times, but uh, but anyway, getting back to that, yeah. what is what is your favorite version of Hitchhikers? Uh, definitely the radio series, and and mm-hmm. um, and you know it's funny. Maybe I just need to go back and read some of the books. And even though I started with the books, it's funny to me because for me, Hitchhikers in my head is radio series, and maybe that's because you know I've read the book several times and listened to the radio series fifty uh, million times. So maybe that's. Uh, <laughs> the reason why that's grooved into my head more, but I mean, and that and that's and it's weird because my my head does a weird jump or did for many years where it thought of the um, first two radio series and then because at the time that's all there were, and then jumped into the later books and, and considered that as a continuation, even though obviously they they don't quite continue and the mm-hmm. and when they finally made new versions of the radio series they had to find a way to uh, reconcile that, but. Um, but uh, even so, um, and I, I do love the later books in the radio series in part, but it still feels like the best versions of those are the books, whereas the best version of the initial story is the radio series. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Like, definitely the radio series is my favorite just because you get that added layer of the performances and the music and everything else, and it's just so atmospheric and it just adds so much. I mean, I do love the books. Um definitely the second best version for me but uh but the radio series is difficult to beat i mean it is true that the bits that were added in the book you know i i think i'm trying to remember the the bricks don't line comes from the books not from the original radio series um so a lot of those things that were in there as little douglas adams uh descriptions that wasn't necessarily in the uh in the radio series um add additional uh color that i kind of like um i mean Mm -hmm. you know there's bits and pieces that were um that were added or taken out in different um in different forms that i enjoy and in fact i mean you know when when he died he was working on trying to figure out a movie version and and uh he was definitely pulling things out and moving them all around even then so he was never completely satisfied i suppose but 
Um, yeah, first two first two radio series and uh, and the rest of the books. Right on. Although I, although I like the wrap up in the I, I like how the later radio series kind of meld bits of books four and five and give it a uh, give it a different spin and ending. Um, you know, I'll I'll have to listen to those because I know I've heard at least the third series at least once. Um, but I now have the whole kind of box set of, of mm-hmm. the radio series and I really need to sit down and listen to the whole thing at some point because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that the ending you're talking about, I've never heard before. Oh, interesting. Um, and other things I'll say I like about the third radio series, just to, to actually be fair about the fact that there are bits I like quite a lot is the fact that they took the Douglas Adams audiobook narration to give him the voice of Agrajag for that, which plays very mm-hmm. well. It doesn't, I, I would have never guessed that that was pulled from a, uh, from an audio book. It's, it's wonderfully performed. Um, and, uh, and, um, you know, the little cameos, uh, having, um, uh, Joanna Lumley as the, the woman with the Sydney opera house head, um, as, uh, <laughs> a, a nice little, uh, a nice little cameo there. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, it, it's also that they, they, you know, they bring Jonathan Price back and they merge, kind of two characters into one in the in the later series it's actually kind of clever what they did with it hmm. um and and the the only and it seems funny because i'm talking about all these clever things that they did you know the third one um they have the masters of cricket singing a, a very beatles-esque uh, love and peace type uh song and harmony there, there's lots to like about that it's just the fact that I, I think the only thing that i have trouble with is the fact that because of the fact that it started as a as a novel that it reads like a, uh, a lot of narration with bits mm-hmm. of dialogue uh, interspersed. Yeah, not as much fun. Well, um, I think we are at the end of this episode, and obviously we will come back with a second one next time. We'll find out if the direction picks up, uh, if things get interesting. I forget how much more time we spend on the Vogon spaceship, um, but I'm very much looking forward to getting into the rest of the story. And, uh, yeah, if you are interested in letting us know what you think of Hitchhikers or of this podcast or just digital watches, you know, whatever topic is on your mind, uh, we are on Twitter at Starship Warlock. Uh, so no podcast in the middle, but otherwise the name of the podcast. Uh, that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. You can also review us on what, whatever platform you're, you're listening on. Uh, we accept negative reviews, positive reviews. Uh, reviews in the middle just um we just want to know what you think so let us know and uh, i did remember the thing that i was going to say earlier which is if somehow you were starting with this season uh of this show just to let you know we uh the first two seasons were the young ones and blackadder so if you're interested in those and somehow you're seeing this in reverse order uh feel free to go back and listen to those because there are just classic starship podcast warlock episodes from vintage years classic like 2020 like, like, like early doctor who um <laughs> yes right which, which means so a little it, slower paced and no we're missing a whole bunch of them yeah um <laughs> missing episodes yeah we're gonna burn the tapes so listen to them now mm-hmm. all right enough of that uh we'll talk to you next time until then this has been drew this has been jeff and you've been listening to starship Podcast Warlock. Warlock. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.